Let us stand for our gospel reading. The words in the the book as we introduce these words in this Easter season. Jesus said, I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Alleluia. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Glory be to you, O Lord. I'm reading from the first chapter of Mark, beginning at verse 16, uh, beginning at verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men and women. Once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Father, we pray that your word may come alive in our hearts and that our hearts may come alive to you through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please do be seated. When you hear the word God, what comes into your mind? One of the great privileges we have as people who have this book, able to read it and to understand something of what it means, is that when we think about God, we think first of all about Jesus. Because somebody very wise once said that God is Christ-like. And in him there is no un-Christ-likeness at all. <laughs> in other words, when we think we want to know who, uh, how God is, what's God's <coughs> like. Then if we look at Jesus and his life, and what he said and what he did, we are able to see the human face of God. And so when we look at and read the Gospels, the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we're gaining an insight into the very nature of God himself because of course Jesus claimed to be God with us, God here among us. And these Gospels were written by people who were like eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. And today we're thinking particularly about the person of Mark, who wrote the the first gospel to be wrote, it's the shortest gospel, and it is a dynamic gospel. It's known that Mark 
was a translator or a secretary for Peter, the Apostle Peter. Papias, a bishop in the second century, records that Mark wrote accurately all that Peter remembered. And so when we read the Gospel of St. Mark, we're really hearing the stories that Jesus, uh, of Jesus as experienced and seen through the life of Peter, the eyewitness who was with him from the beginning. And Mark is an incredibly exciting gospel to read. It is not a dry history of somebody long ago. It has an immediacy about it. In fact, Mark uses the word immediately countless times. It is action-packed. It is full of pace. And you are left breathless at the end if you read it all in one go, which won't take you very long. When we read the Gospel of Mark, we're not just hearing about a historical figure, but a person who is very much here with us now. It's as if Jesus' life jumps off the page. It's, he's brought a life for us today. And in these words that I wrote, read from chapter 1, it's as if God has broken into history. The status quo has been shattered. And Jesus has come. And now anything can happen. Let me read those few words again, those opening words from John, in, from Mark. As Jesus came, went in, sorry, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come. In other words, this is a new era that's breaking in in the person of Jesus. All that is true of God's kingdom, that is a kingdom where justice is done, where peace rules, <coughs> where wrongs are put right, where joy is discovered, where the poor are raised up, where injustice becomes overturned by that which is right. All those things come as we see Jesus in action through the gospel. People healed, set free from the bondage, the chains of evil that have surrounded them. Time and again, we read of this happening in Jesus. The kingdom is here. That possibility of a new reign and a new life begins with Jesus. And we are to access and move into that new life by repenting and believing the good news. Repenting simply means <coughs> turning away from that direction in which you're travelling and turning around and facing a new direction. 
And the good news, literally the euangelion, comes from two Greek words. Angelos, which means message or a good news, uh, sort of a, a, a great news event. And eu, eu, which means something that is really great or joyful. So literally, the good news means a joyful, great event that's happened in history. It was uh, very salutary to read in Timothy Keller's book, King's Cross, which is all about the Gospel of Mark, what, uh, a bit more about the background to what this good news is. Because obviously we're thinking about the Gospel of Mark, which is uh, another way of talking about good news. The Gospel, good news is the same thing. Let me read to you just that little bit that uh, he speaks about uh, that pads out, helps us to understand what its context was in the ancient world. So there's an ancient Roman inscription from about the same time as Jesus and Mark, which states, in the beginning of the Gospel of Caesar Augustus, and those words of a story of the birth and coronation of the Roman Emperor. A gospel was news of some event that changed things in a meaningful way. It could be the ascension to the throne, or it could be a victory. When Greece was invaded by Persia and the Greeks won the great battles of Marathon and, and Solnus, they sent heralds, or evangelists, who proclaimed the good news to the cities. <coughs> They said, we have fought for you and we have won. And now you're no longer slaves, you're free. So he says, a gospel is an announcement of something that has happened in history, something that's been done for you that changes your status forever. That's the original context of it. And Tim Keller goes on. Right there, you can see the difference between Christianity and all other religions, including no religion. The essence of other religions is advice. Christianity is essentially news. Other religions say, this is what you have to do in order to connect to God forever. This is how you have to live in order to earn your way to God. But the Gospel says, this is what has been done in history. This is how Jesus lived and died to earn the way to God for you. <laughs> That's why it's such fantastic news. We don't have to earn our way to God. It's been done for you. Historical event, cross, resurrection, Jesus' life, ascension to heaven. It's all happened. There's nothing we can add to that. Christianity is joyful news. Does that make sense? It's quite illuminating, isn't it, when you see how it was originally used with the Roman emperors and what sort of thing. So, that's what Mark wants to proclaim. The good news that God has done it all to bring us to new life and alive to God. He calls us to turn around and away from a way of life that can't ultimately fulfill, 
and leads nowhere to become followers of Jesus. Start to follow the one who can actually fulfill the deepest needs within every human being. And so it's not surprising that straight away, immediately, he goes into the story of the calling of the disciples. So here we are, Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon, that is Peter, <laughs> he's the one who gave him the story, remember? Simon Peter, uh, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake for their fishermen. Come follow me, said Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men and women and children to be PC. <laughs> and at once, here we are, here we are, that's the word again, at once, immediately, bang! Uh, no messing about here. They followed him. They left their nets and followed him. Gone a little further, you saw James, son of Zebedee. Can't help thinking about the magic roundabout when I hear that word. <laughs> but that shows my age. Very old now, as you know. Um, and his brother John, James and John, in a boat preparing their nets, getting everything ready for the fishing trip the following night without delay he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat bye dad off they went followed Jesus well we can't physically follow Jesus can we because he's not here with us walking around so what does that mean for us well we recognize that these disciples or these fishermen as they were then and still were, they just left everything. They were prepared to leave everything. Their livelihood as fishermen and their family, their father, their career and their family were behind them and they moved into a new way of living. It was incredibly radical. Are we expected to stop our jobs, give up our jobs and say goodbye to all those we love and go off somewhere. Absolutely not. But what we are called to, according to this understanding of the scriptures, is that Jesus asks us when we are called to follow him, asks us to make him such a priority in our lives is it a priority that is above everything else? That our careers, our jobs, our, our ambitions, whatever they might be, our plans for our retirement, they all come second to Jesus, to what he wants, not what we want. Even our family. We love our family desperately and we call to do that. But an even greater calling is to love Jesus and to put him first. So that when people, Christians under persecution, are called to make that choice, those who are true followers of Jesus will stay faithful to him, whatever the cost. So Jesus is saying, knowing me, Loving me, living like me, serving me must be the supreme priority and passion of your life. Everything else 
come second. Now that is so incredibly <coughs> radical and difficult for us here in this Western world to hear. Because we like things, all things in moderation. Everything in moderation, vicar. That's what we hear. And we just sort of, you know, that's a bit, that's a bit radical, isn't it? It's a bit sort of at the extreme. Well, we wouldn't be proclaiming the gospel in its truth if we didn't hold to that call that Jesus gives. There's nothing moderate about Jesus, following Jesus. Nothing at all. Being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is never a hobby that we do alongside other things in our lives. It's everything. It's everything. It's a relationship that you enter into. Marriage ceremony, relationships, Husband says to wife, everything I am, all that I am, I give to you. And all that I have, I share with you. All, all, every single bit of me. The wife says, the bride says to the groom, you know, everything, all that I am, all that I have, share with you, I give to you. It's everything, whole of life. And that's what we do when we say, I am committing myself to following Jesus, the one who gave everything for me. <coughs> he is worthy of giving everything to himself. And so Mark is bringing this good news. It doesn't sound much like good news to me. You have to give everything, to, you know, abandon everything, and even sort of say goodbye to the ambitions and hopes you have. It's not much good news, really, if you think that fulfilling those ambitions and those dreams are actually going to lead to the best life possible. But if something has happened within you that you can see in Jesus, that there is an even greater life, an even higher prize, an even more fulfilling pathway to follow by following him, that really is good news because there's nothing like it. It's the thing that matters more than anything. And it not only matters for this life, but it matters for the life beyond because Jesus offers us the gift of life in this world, but the gift of everlasting life beyond death. Death is defeated and life lives forever. The gospel, therefore, is not advice as to how to live well. It is about the person of Jesus and the story of him calling people to follow him and enter into a journey into life in all its fullness. Let us pray. Lord God, we are in awe of these pages that have been written so that we might know the way to life. We thank you for Mark and for the way in which he helps us to see Jesus in all his glory.
in his words and his actions so that we might know who God is and find in him our true life. Amen. Amen.